0: Depending on any kind of combinations of professionals I get into the room, we're all going in the same motion. We're all looking out for each other. And that's when you get incredible off the charts results. Are you ready to transform your life? This is a no nonsense show helping immigrants like you create generational wealth, even while working full time. Get ready to take notes.
1: Here's your host, Socket Jane. Hi, great to have listeners. If you own and manage real estate, maybe you're ready for a lifestyle change. By selling your real estate, of course, you may have to pay substantial capital gain taxes. One option that may help you solve this is to learn about doing a 1031 tax deferred real estate exchange. Because you may be able to defer all of the capital gain taxes, and you could even exchange into a replacement property, that may allow you to get rid of all of the headaches that are involved with being an active landlord. My friend, Ray Druitt, is a managing director with Bangurter Financial Services, and his goal is to help you understand all of the rules associated with 1031 exchanges. To learn more, you may call him directly at 801-312-9482. Once again, it's 801-312-9482, or you may visit his website at slash. 1031 guy. Please be sure to see disclosures in the show notes. Welcome back, my great 12th listeners. Today, I'm going to speak to Mark Fujiwara. He is an amazing human being, probably one of the fastest person I've made friends in my entire life. He and I got connected a few weeks ago through a common friend who I again admire and love. He's been on the show, Randy. When he introduced me to Mark, it's like an instant connection. The conversation we had were, it's like I've known Mark forever. And we were completely aligned in what we were trying to do in life, what we were trying to messaging we have. With that note, I thought Mark would be a great addition to the podcast. And it's gonna bring tremendous amount of value, so much so that Mark has also agreed to be a live speaker on our summit. And for those of you who don't know that, it's migrate to wealth. We're doing a four-day crash course. Instead of you listening to 40 episodes over six, seven, eight months. We're bringing the 40-plus speakers to you in a compressed timeline of four days. And you can take the insights from someone like Mark again and again and again in a much more detailed manner. And Mark's just one of the other 40s, but Mark's an amazing guy. Mark, with that said, I know your background's beautiful. You're a director at Beard. You are a co-founder for uh, Epic Network, which is a network for amazing, mastermind of amazing human beings and also very successful ones there uh, for there who are really supporting each other in up-leveling in their life. So with that said, Mark, did I miss any part of your introduction that you want to interject?
0: Oh, no. I'm just honored to be here and just honored to be a speaker at your summit as well.
1: Thank you again, buddy. Mark, when you hear the term migrate to wealth, what does that mean to you?
0: It means a few things. Because I deal a lot with money, I like to go deeper with clients and just people i serve is that there has to be more than just making the money Mm -hmm. there has to be more than just saying well we're gonna sell this company and we're going to not pay taxes on it which is fine and what i mean by that is that i find that the more money you tend to grow and tend to have there seems to be sometimes a disconnect Mm -hmm. and the disconnect occurs when with your professionals. But more importantly, what I hear from very wealthy people I serve is that the disconnect and the worry and the anxiety comes from the parents, and the children, the next, and the next generation. Right.
1: Actually, why don't you describe what you do for day to day? Because it'd be interesting for people to hear that. I don't think we have had any sort of uh, institutional guy yet in our show. <laughs> You're the first one. So help us well, understand what you do. Give people a perspective.
0: Well, I'm very honored to be the first institutional guy. So I'm a director at Baird. And what that means is that I always like to say that, I never like to like give myself a term like, oh, I'm a wealth manager or investment maker or a financial advisor or whatever. You know, those terms are usually, there's already a preconceived notion to them, Mm -hmm. good or bad. So what I like to say is that I do things a little differently. For instance, that for one, I, I work with very wealthy clients, but but more importantly, I rarely talk about investments right off the bat. And what I do talk about is always different because what I do talk about is what the client wants to talk about. So Mm -hmm. we have all these scripts in our business on, it always leads with, tell me about your money. Tell me about your investments. Let me see your statements that you brought over here. I always like to make it a conversation. Tell me about your business, your family, what's important and what keeps you up at night. And then from there we see, it's like, let's start what's most pressing right now. That's what I do. And in terms of all the things that you think about with private wealth, helping sell a company, not paying a lot of taxes, getting into funds that normally you can't get into, but really raising the bar on being different there. So it's almost like they don't like me using the term family office because everybody's using it. And quite frankly, mm-hmm. I don't like to use the word family office either, but that is kind of the concept which is to get what I've done since day one in this 30 year career, is to gather really good professionals that can do a lot of different things around me. And it started with financial stuff like helping sell companies, taxation, estate planning, legal, M&A. And then all of a sudden as I saw gaps with some of these clients I was working with, now I've got some amazing private medical professionals on this team. I also have amazing coaches amazing wealth of content, just like yourself. Mm. And what happens there is that now it feels like we can get pretty much any
1: kind of results. Right. And then when somebody is reaching out to you, Mark, and your job at Baird, why are they reaching out to you? For what reason?
0: That's interesting because if they just see what I do, they feel compelled to start talking about their investments Mm -hmm. because Baird is an investment company. So typically, I will get introduced by people that know my business really well. So some of my best referral sources, tax attorney. So let's take the tax attorney, for example. We've been working together for many years. The tax attorney gets it. I don't send people to Mark so he can put you in Apple stock. Send because he can figure out the problem and see where we need to place different people to build the team. Some of the more complex stuff. Got so it. when people come to me, it's interesting too, socket because sometimes people I had this one guy come to me and say, I guess I'm here because I gotta introduce you. You're gonna help me sell my company. And I said, Well, <laughs> I don't know yet. <laughs> You know what's funny is that we talk for two hours and at the end of it, I'm not selling your company right now. You should sell your company right now, right? We're talking about something completely different. Mm. Or more pressing to what he needed to do. So, most people that they just, if they don't know me that well, they come to me and say, What's the best asset allocation? Can I retire at 65? Yeah. However, recently it's more people are coming to me because there is a problem or there's a complex situation.
1: Got it. That's awesome. And then let's talk about ReEpic Network as well. What do you do there? I mean, of course, you definitely are not super busy at Baird at all. Well, so what made you start Briapic? Give us a little bit of background there uh, what do you do there? Couple of things on that. We
0: talked a bit about this too, Saki. I feel like the universe works for people that really allow it to work for you. There's so much serendipity in my world, There's so much serendipity in your world. It wasn't by chance that Randy, who was actually in Definitely. that network, it wasn't by chance that Randy just says, Oh, the two of you should come together. It was almost like, Of course. Within five minutes, I'm like, this is a lifelong friend. I feel like a family member of mine. And saying that is that things started to really come into place because, yes, it is busy doing what I do at Baird. And I had this kind of a disconnect because I felt like I wanted to do everything for the client from the moment that Mm -hmm. they came through the door Mm -hmm. It's where my sweet spot is, build the trust, get the information. And then it's like, oh, I got to do all this other stuff. I mean i have helped to do some of this stuff but i didn't have like a true partner like when i say partner somebody that i could just say give you my wealthiest client and you just run with in directions and almost have that family off mentality and it was almost like i came to a point where I, i stopped taking in new business because of that and then all of a sudden i said oh there's a team that i helped get over here from another firm I hadn't talked to her for a while. And it's like, oh my gosh, it's right here. And I spoke to our regional manager. Regional manager says, oh, it's weird that you say that because you're the only one that he wants to team up with because we're both working on, you know, making our businesses flow better. And so we teamed up and it's almost like, now I don't have to do all this stuff that I'm good at, but not great at. So I got my unique ability here. Now where Bradford Network comes into play is that, I've been doing the connections. That's a big deal to my business. People come to me and they say, connect me with the right people to get this result. And it's almost like, it's what I call eeky guys when you're in pure flow. And so met Justin, Justin Breen's the co-founder. And he said, oh, I have this great idea. And so he's describing this business to me where it's connection based. So you don't have to go LinkedIn, LinkedIn without all the moving parts and the uncertainty. I all of a sudden was just like, well, that's like the back of my hand, Justin. Here's what you do. And I gave him the roadmap. And he, he literally, in the same conversation, just says, oh, my gosh, you just saved me so much time. And this is going to mm. make it so much more productive. You want to help me with this? I'd love to, right? I had known at that point, Justin, for a few months. We meet every Friday. I was like, I love your energy. I always get good strategy from you. So I started talking to all these people, people in my network, people in his network, and just saying, "What? how do you want us to build this? Because at one point we thought, oh, build an app. No, so we don't need an app. Let's figure out what these people want. And so what yeah. we came down with was that going back to my experiences, I've had many mastermind group experiences and most of them are really good, but they also have people in there that aren't completely aligned with you. Some of the people just aren't rooting for you. Some of the people are not just looking out for themselves. And that is a little damaging. That's a lot damaging. Because I've seen the opposite effect. Because when you have a room like that, where you have people that are all rooting for you, that are all in there to make everybody better, amazing things happen. I think I mentioned this to you before we got on. And, you know, Seth Godin, you hear Seth Godin yeah. talk and talk. And I know everything there is about Seth Godin. Now, he hops on a mastermind group just a few days ago. He's talking to a bunch of us and we're all moving in the same direction we all got each other's back holy moly what you just said for the fifth time Seth! i'm applying you know so much deeper yeah it's like you have a clear your mind just opens up like that and that's what we built this for so once a month we get together 90 minutes and start as like me talking about how to get in flow how to get a free flow office i'm taking one little snippet and everybody runs with it and it is amazing Seeing what happens in the chat, people are saying, oh, we've got to collaborate. And now, just right off the bat, people are saying, oh, you've got to meet my friend. He can help you. Oh, you've got to meet this person. Mm. And so high collaboration, and you start to think about, you solve problems in that state. I think you can relate to this. It's like when you have a problem. When it's a problem or opportunity, you're trying to get the best out of it. what happens if you're just trying to go, 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 you're sitting at the desk, trying all these different methods? Right. Well, it usually yeah. happens when you're in flow. Sometimes if you're on a run, probably most for me is when I'm in the presence right here with people like yourself, Now, picture a big room like that once a month. Now we're off to the races.
1: Mark, I love that. Now you said the term flow a few times. And yeah. You use that term together with flow office. Let's go deeper into that. What yes. does that mean? Why are you combining that with office and calling it as flow office?
0: It's a great question. Flow is super important to me because I have three Japanese principles that I live my life with, that I raise my kids on, that I was raised on, that I teach my community. And the three principles, the first one is shoki, which means true self. Showing up as your true self, true mind, true heart, true everything, true soul. Second one is ichigo ichie, which is the highest level of presence. It means the maximum appreciation for the uniqueness of the moment. It's with my daughter, Stella, when we have full presence. For no reason, sometimes she just runs over and gives me a hug. Mm -hmm. And that's because we're both full presence. I have so many different monitors and distractions here. You're the only one that I'm looking at right now. So full presence. We have a way in Japanese tradition, grandma and grandpa always act like it was my first and last time I was going to go over to their house. Mm -hmm. I live two miles from them, right? I always felt it was like my birthday always felt like I was the only thing that mattered right at the moment. So I wanted to mm-hmm. share that with others. So the last one has to do with flow a lot, which is Ikigai. Ikigai meaning something you love, something you're great at, something that makes the world a better place and something that provides you with some sort of capital, financial, mm-hmm. emotional, usually emotional <laughs> is financial, but it checks all boxes. When you're doing something that checks all of those boxes, you're in flow. And my goal has been to surround myself with people who see that, who want to be in flow, high character, high alignment room for each other. Everybody wanted to be in flow. You surround yourself with people like that. It's easy for you to get in flow. And then what's most important is for me at five o'clock, every single working day, I march upstairs or if I'm on the road, I come right through the front door and I have an hour, one hour with my four-year-old Stella. And it's just me and her. Now, There have been times where I did not, I would not in flow the whole day. Usually it's the wrong person. One person can ruin it. And I'm in the room with Stella and she looks over at me and says, that's a fake smile or why aren't you paying attention? Mm. And that was crushing. So that's where I started to become super aware of who I was bringing into my life. Because when I'm in flow throughout the day and there's no one in the schedule that can take me out of flow for a long period of time, she does things like I just mentioned, she's on the other yeah. side of the room and we're present and she jumps up and runs over to me, gives me a hug, kisses me and says, I love you, daddy. And free flow office. So the second part of that question, free flow office is again, I don't like the word family office because it has connotations of, well, you need to be Bezos to have a yeah. family office. And plus, look, I know somebody's family office. You don't want that. That's where, you know, we have a lot of disconnects, right? When you ask me about migrating to wealth, it's like that where you have maybe some professionals that aren't aligned, that makes things difficult for everybody involved. Free flow office, what does that mean to me? It means that, again, character alignment before anything else. You got high character. You have alignment. Can I root for you and can you root for me? Okay, now let's talk about what you do really well because there's thousands and thousands of good estate planning attorneys out there but thousands and thousands of them. So look for that first and then figure out what kind of result they can deliver. Now I've got many people that can do some amazing results and it all starts with character and alignment. That's what free flow office means is that depending on any kind of combinations of professionals I get, get into the room, we're all going in the same motion. We're all looking out for each other. And that's when you get incredible off the charts results and the people, the person, the family, the business you're serving is of that same mindset is this what makes this so amazing. So if office, you can say it's a family office, maybe, but again, I don't like to label family office because there's so many different terms out there. It's just a, a group of amazing individuals that do maybe one or two things better than most. And it's all about character and alignment before anything else.
1: And I love that, Mark, because I think it's the most important thing, right? Because I think money and success and family and everything, all these things are important, but it's a very lonely journey, especially in this country. We can talk about that. You had the privilege of growing in a Japanese environment. I grew up in India. So when you come here in the U.S., And specifically speaking of the U.S., it's a very individualistic culture, right? Where Mm -hmm. you're by yourself. And that doesn't mean it's a good or a bad thing. But to your point, we don't get into the flow alone. It's very hard to get in the flow alone because you're going to hit a down point. When you hit that down point, you need others to lift you up. You need others. And you can't find for the others when you're in the negative spot. You need to make sure you already have those people right? Because that's not the time to find the people with the flow. You want to be surrounded with the people with the flow. So now we're converting that individualistic society into cohesive society where everyone's working for the greater good. There's no win, 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 loss. It's just collaboration, right? I'm helping you. You're helping me. Now our results, you may make a million dollar. I may make a $10. That's not the goal. We're not saying that. The whole goal for the flow is going to be I'm helping you achieve the goal that you have. And hopefully along the way, someone's going to help me. may not be you. Someone in that group is going to help me achieve my goal as well. That's the goal. That's the expectation. And that's really the flow is. But what I want to ask you is, let's take a step back. Even though family offices are a big taboo word, and I don't like that word either, because all that means is money. That's all that means. That you have a lot of money, but doesn't describe any other aspects of their life. They could be miserable, right? But one thing to learn from them is they have the money at that point. Let's say if we talk about Bezos, you mentioned Bezos has the money, but he's supporting, he's establishing a family office, not for himself, if it was, if Bezos has kids and all that stuff, if you think about it, he's setting it up for the next generation and the next generation's problems, not money. What Mm -hmm. is it? If it's not money, because they already got money, money is not a problem. Of course, you need to make sure the money lasts. Them, which is a different problem. But then why are they setting up family offices? Because the money problem is already solved. It's a great question. And I feel like
0: you reach, so a family reaches a certain point. This is a different number for different people. When they figure out, so the main question mark is, am I going to run out of money when we retire or sure. when we sell the company? And then that's taken care of. But then you get into some territory where you have this abundance of wealth where no question, you're not gonna run out of money. Now you got this big sum here. You can spend, 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 but you still have a sp- sum of money that's going to the next generation. Okay, so with those families, so you can call them multi-family office types or family office, ultra high net worth There's a lot of different labels for this. Where I find that what was once thought of, well, we keep it in the family. Yes, that's important. And when you have a family office, you keep in the family, make sure that, in-laws don't get the hands on it, other people, business partners and whatnot. The problem, and I've talked to so many people in that space is not about getting more money. Sure, they have estate tax problems, but what really keeps them up at night is what's happening to that next generation. And what I mean Mm -hmm. by that is that do they have too much money? And when they have too much money, what certain things happen, you get entitlement. I've seen it done improperly where you give them too much. Then all of a sudden, there's no work ethic. Or maybe at one point they had an iki guy, a big iki guy. But why should I do the iki guy when I have this unlimited ATM that can, right. can just do what I want? And I could be a whatever on Instagram and get a lot of followers and have that as my ikigai guy. That's not an iki guy. I want to. Touch upon this because I think it's such a brilliant idea that I've carried over. There's another financial advisor who is amazing. His name is Devang. And Devang gave me this idea of, you're not going to guarantee that they're not entitled, but you can certainly put measures in place where it steers them down the road where they're going to be more giving than the average rich kid, where they're going to have a better work ethic more of an entrepreneurial mind focus on education so it goes something like this you've got a ton of money that's going to last say three generations or even at the very least very well into the next generation so you set up your own trust the family trust and then you have all these subsets trusts that are specifically for the kids you got one you got two you got three or grandkids it's for the next generation whatever that means so the first trust is that you have an education trust you can go to school, you can get your PhD, you can get your MD, you can get your MBA, you can get whatever, or you don't have to go. But if you do go to school, we'll pay the bulk of it. Mm. And you stay in school, yeah. and you get a 3.5, we'll keep on going. You have a semester that goes at 3.0, next semester we don't pay, okay? Right. So then there's no bailout either. So that teaches them the work ethic part. They're starting to f- try to figure out, even before that, you bring this up to them. We have an entrepreneur's trust. Okay, this is just like going into business with the family. So whoever the matriarch of the family is, or whoever is the decision maker, usually mom and dad, mm-hmm. you get together and you say, have a business plan. I want to do this. And I want to go half and half with you. So all of a sudden, there is that entrepreneur trust. And it can't be like, oh, I want to do this business just because... I'm bored and I yeah. want some trust it has to be, you know, it has to check the boxes for mom and dad. And
1: mm-hmm. then
0: you have a third trust, which is the giving trust, the charitable trust. What that means is that there's a sum of money in there. So instead of mom and dad going, Oh, we're just going to give to this charity, which we feel strongly about. Now the kids have a decision on that. Now the kids have a decision on how they want that allocated. Which is tickle activating system. When you start paying attention of what causes what particular causes mean to you and what's really important to you, you're gonna pick up on that. It's automatic. I have not run into a family yet. This is, oh, my kid has no causes, right? All these kids have causes. And think about it. Instead of having a charity or foundation that they don't really know about, to be a part of that. And if that trust is big enough, I always tell the parents this. You want to set up your own kind of family office or you want your kids to run certain things to get used to having a lot of money to expose them to wealth and financial stuff. And they always say, oh, because I'm in investments. I say, well, why don't you help them design a stock portfolio? Yeah, that's fine. How about this? How about get them involved in your own finances? Of course. And the first thing I always go back to is let's start off with the charitable side. If your daughter, your son, who's just starting off, wants to really get their feet wet into something, you teach them about that charitable. You have them, you give them the training to run that. That's where you learn first. And from that, that's the best space you can give a kid. But even back up, even for those that don't have millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars, you can still do this on the smaller scale. You don't have to have $2 million put in that education. These are things you can teach the next generation. These are things that you can also, in terms when it's talking about entrepreneurship, if you're an entrepreneur, how valuable it is to say, look, I'm going to be your business partner, capital partner, strategic partner, I mean, that to me, with my 20 and 18-year-olds, it's like, oh my goodness, absolutely. And then you have that charitable trust. You can do a donor advised fund for a small amount. Use the donor advised fund, which is a different way of doing a charitable trust. There's really not a lot of differences there because your kids can make those decisions and say, hey, Mm -hmm. we want to invest the money, and then in three years, we want to Donate this money to this cause because they need it here. and we were learning about these different causes. That's the way to do it.
1: So let me ask this question. A few things. One was, I love the concept of this sub And I know it's probably not the technical definition, but setting up umbrella structure of the funds that underneath have these causes. Because I know when we were setting up our plan, one of the kind, and we were looking at a dynasty trust, somebody mm-hmm. asked me, what if the education doesn't exist tomorrow? I'm like, it's a great question, right? Because the GPA may not exist there. So we have to start introducing the language. And this is where the, it's kind of like entrusting with one of the lawyers that I was working with, it said something that stuck by me. You're the guiding hand from the grave. Think about it that way. Yes. Right? Nobody knows what you're thinking, but you are still guiding and driving everything while you're in the grave. And there's a lot of thinking that needs to be involved in that, right? And part of that is with having that support system around you with people who can help you think about it, people who have done it, people like you in that yeah. group, That's where it helps because you don't know what to think sometimes because you only know what you know. And there's infinite world of what you don't know. When you bring other people who are doing the similar inquiry and similar questions, they're asking themselves the same questions, you can start figuring it out. And one of the things is like, okay, education is important. You want to leave money for the kids, but you also want to make sure that they are going to school. But what if the schools don't exist? Now the probability of that, low, but there's that probability. So how do you address that? You got to start working with somebody who can craft the language in such a way, it's vague enough yet pretty strong to make sure that we can figure that out. And I love the whole concept of that, of making them productive, yet not having them struggle too much. It's a very fine balance between the two. Like there's a very good mentor of mine. He told me, he has written in his essay plan that until the child shows $1 million worth of tax returns, he can't draw anything from the fund. Done. Period. And I was asking like, what was your reasoning for that? He's like, if they can make a million dollar socket, they're going to dump my money anyways. Yeah, exactly. In his mind, million dollar was what was important for the kids to have because that was a work ethic and everything else. Now, I'm not saying everyone needs to have a million dollar or everyone have a similar clause. It was just as an example, that was his hand driving from the grave that if you don't do this, you're not getting anything. Period. So you better get your act together and figure out how to make that money because that's what's written in the trust. And if you don't do it, you're not getting any portion. So it's just interesting well, to start thinking crazy. about these things. I might
0: put that in a clause in my trust. And now my kids are no, <laughs> oh, no, no, no. But in all seriousness, though, that when you apply good pressure, right? Exactly. When you apply what this does, and it's so near and dear to me, is that it forces your kids to get uncomfortable. It forces them to go outside their comfort zone and it forces them to be hungry. There's no better lesson than that. Yeah, I love that. It could be any number, right? It could be whatever number. But if we made it easy and I said, well, just get a full-time job and then the money's yours, right? (laughs) Then it's almost like you're not reaching your potential. But with that number, whatever it is, whatever makes them stretch, whatever makes them stay up late at night, Whatever that is, they want it. They're going to get it. I imagine your friend is in full support. You want to take a special course or you want to learn about this? Oh, definitely. Definitely. You have that at your disposal. You have all these tools, much needed tools to get to that point. And what a great gift that is. I love that.
1: No, I love that, Mark. But Mark, dude, I love this topic of setting up your own family office. I know we're talking about a free flow office, but that's really the concept is that. You want to surround yourself with people who are supporting you, supporting your cause and build relationships that are going to be go beyond just work. It's right. just about making money. It's really about right. building that ecosystem where you're, and not just you, your kids can benefit from, right? Your kids can benefit from because these relationships, these ecosystems, they're going to be with you forever. That's how the wealth is built in this country, in this society in general, by building a supportive ecosystem. So Mark, yeah, I love that concept, but you know, we've already talked for two hours last time. We'll probably still talk for three more hours because we still haven't finished it. So I want to be cognizant of the time that you have because you're definitely not busy at all. So I want to give it away to you. But thank you for the time, buddy. I really appreciate it. Insightful conversation. If people want to learn more about you, Mark, and the work you do and get connected with you, where can they find you?
0: FujiwaraBear.com and MarkFujiwara.com. I'm also doing some great things in the mental health space and produced a movie that I'm key featured in and how I overcame panic attacks and anxiety of going on stage.
1: Well, that's awesome. And thank you again for it. takes. It needs a lot of bravery and courage to be open about these things. And they're very important because if people like you don't talk about it, other people won't be able to, won't think that, I think they'll think that they have a problem. Exactly. So I appreciate that. And I know, Mark, you also have mentioned that you've been very generous to supporting some of the resources that you have already I have that we'll make sure that it's included in the show notes below for all our listeners. Thank you again, Mark. I appreciate it. I do have two questions. as a parting question. If you go back to your 20-year-old self, what's one insight you'll share with that person?
0: Don't care what other people think about you. And that's the basis of it. And what that leads to is just be your true self. Don't care about what people are thinking about you. You're going to show up as your true self. And by not showing up as your true self, you're attracting the wrong people and it's really hard to have like more than one true self, so.
1: <laughs> Definitely. I think there's only one. And Mark, last question is, buddy, where do you feel there's a gap in humanity right now?
0: In humanity? I think that specifically, there's so many people out there. Sometimes the negative things that they do or the harmful things they do to themselves or other people are a result of the feeling that they're not enough. They're not enough. And it was probably be because somebody told them We're in a culture right now where it's hard to feel like you're enough when you go on social media and everyone looks like they're enough but you. And That's a problem. And I think we have a rise in mental illness, going back to mental illness. When you're showing up as your true self and when you're very open and vulnerable about what's happening right here, the important people will come through with you. And that's what helps. And just don't be afraid. Because that's what makes things better. When you start feeling like you're not enough, you don't share these things with other people. And that just goes down a downward spiral.
1: My God, Mark, such a powerful note on that insightful and powerful note. Thank you again, Mark. Appreciate your time, buddy. We're going to have a blast at the summit. Thank you. Thank you. My great to our listeners, it is possible that you could defer paying high tax bill by completing a 1031 exchange and invest your real estate capital gains into a qualified replacement property. My friend, Ray DeWitt at Bangurta Financials is your single point of contact for 1031 exchanges and tax saving strategies. To learn more, call him at 801-312-9482. That's 801-312-9482. Or visit his website at com forward slash 1031guy.
0: If you got value from this episode, you might consider sharing this content with a friend. But most importantly, be sure to take action on what you've learned. One way you can take the next step is to connect directly with Socket on an investor call. That link is waiting for you in the show notes below. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Please consult your own advisors when making any investment decisions. Keep listening. We'll see you on the next episode.